The Edge of the World Art Studio is proud to present Helen of the Iron Horse, written by Paris Danielle Lee. Artwork by Helen Rachel Lee. Music by Fish Zombie the Onions. And special thanks to Spooky the Cat for her contributions, fuzzy as they might be. Chapter 95 The Tea Party 1886 April The Railroad Camp, Colorado So, she lied to me. She never went to finishing school. Paris asked, as she sat across from Odysseus in the security tent. Odysseus looked up, thinking before he answered. It depends on how you look at it. It wasn't a finishing school the way most people would think of it. But that's what we told her it was. And Lucy did her best to teach Helen the things she would have learned in finishing school. Really, it was a way to keep her hidden. I truly believe Helen saw it as a finishing school, so I don't think I would call it a lie. I would call it... An abstraction of the truth? Paris interrupted. Yes, an abstraction of the truth. Odysseus confirmed. What about the other students? What other students? Helen told me that there were other students, friends she had that would help her undress and redress at night and in the mornings. There were no other students, just her. We discussed whether or not we should extend an invitation to other students so that Helen could have friends, but we determined that even in France there was a possibility the secret of her mental state would slip out. Also, she couldn't be trusted with other people, and Lucy had to keep a constant eye on her. Or what? That was the problem. We didn't know. It all depended on who she thought you were. She would either love you or kill you. Did she kill anyone else? Paris asked, surprised. Yes. Yes, she did. Odysseus looked down, shaking his head. 1880, July 12th, Paris, France. Three years had passed since I've come here. I know this because every day the doctor asked me what day it was. I was forced to keep a calendar in my mind, but each day that passed seemed so much like the last. I went for my daily checkup with the doctor. He asked me his questions, and I answered them, doing my best to find new and interesting ways to frustrate him. I had lunch with Penelope, then she would take me to the library and work on the lesson for the day. Sometimes they were in etiquette, sometimes they were history, or math, or science. Most of the time the headmaster would sit at the other side of the library reading. He kept an eye on me. I always felt nervous in his presence. But if he wasn't there, or if for some reason he was out of town, or if he had other business to attend to, Penelope would take the time to teach me magic. After our lesson for the day, I was allowed to choose from the books in the library, and I spent my time studying. I read and reread the Trojan War again and again. I asked Penelope to bring me different versions of the story. She had Odysseus bring them in from the city. I read them all immediately. I read the other myths as well, the creation of the world, the war of the gods, the rise of the heroes. I looked at Odysseus in a different light. I could see why Penelope loved him. He was smart and crafty. Sometimes I would go to the barn that he had converted into their home for supper. On the outside, it was just a run-down barn, but on the inside it was beautiful, and I envied their relationship. I wondered if Paris would be like Odysseus, kind, happy, playful, the way he looked at Penelope when she wasn't watching. I wanted to be loved like that. 
At night I always returned to my room. I would dress for bed, and then Penelope would wish me good night and lock the door as she left. I would try to wait till she was gone. I tried to count in my head so that she wouldn't see the light. But as soon as I felt I was truly alone, I would relight the lamp and begin to read from the books I had smuggled in from the library. I fell asleep, and at night I would dream. I dreamt of Paris. I was locked in a room, like the room I was in now. I knew someone was coming. Someone had told me someone was coming. They were coming from very far away, a place so far away it was described only by direction. I knew it had to be Paris. I knew it was only a matter of time, and I stared at the door, pacing or fidgeting. I couldn't sit down. I couldn't stand up. I didn't know what to do with myself. I had waited so long to meet them. But as the doorknob turned and the door began to open, I always woke up from the dream. Frustrated, I would sit up in the bed and then fall back onto my pillow. If only I could stay asleep a moment longer. If only I could see who was behind the door. I would relight my lantern, and I would read again until finally I fell back to sleep. It was a night like this that I awoke to see the headmaster peeking into my room. The door opened only an inch. He closed it quickly as he saw me sit up, and I could hear the lock set into place as his footsteps moved down the hall. Why was he here? What was he doing? Should I tell Penelope? Helen, today we are going to have a guest, so this is a perfect opportunity for you to practice the tea ritual, Penelope explained. Next to her on the table was a tea set not yet laid out. There was a box of silverware and a three-tiered tray, napkins, tablecloths, and a carafe of hot water. I want you to take the time to set up the tea properly. You can use this table here. She pointed to a round table in the center of the library. There will be three, including the two of us and our guest. Now, do you remember how to greet royalty? I do, I answered. How do you greet a queen? When she is introduced to me, I would greet her as your majesty, and then simply ma'am after that. Very good. This is how I want you to greet our guest when she arrives. Is she a queen? She is. Athens? Sparta? Who was she before? I don't know who she was before. I only know who she is now. Who is she now? Victoria. I only just finished setting up the table as Penelope returned with the cookies, sandwiches, and scones to place on the three-tiered tray at the center. Penelope looked me over, tightened one of the bows in my hair, and smiled at me. Don't be nervous. She's not here for you. Why is she here? We shall find out together. <laughs> she stood next to me as the door opened and the Queen's guards in red uniforms took their places on either side. Victoria entered next, a black gown billowing around her as she stood examining the room. Penelope gave a slight curtsy and said, Your Royal Highness, it is an honor to have you come visit us today. May I introduce you to Helen Taggart? Penelope pushed me forward and I curtsied. I tried to sound confident, but my voice squeaked a little and was not very loud as I did my best to greet the Queen. Your Majesty, I said, and then realized that's not what Penelope had said. It was the proper greeting, unless you were family, and then you would greet her as your royal highness, as Penelope had. Twenty-seven years. That is how long it took to find you. Twenty-seven years, and all you have to say to me is that it's an honor I have come for a visit. Victoria stepped further into the library. No, ma'am. That's not all I have to say. 
I would also like to invite you to have tea with us. Helen has worked very hard on her etiquette to help set up the tea properly, and it would be good practice for her to dine with royalty. So, your visit is fortuitous for all of us. Please. Penelope explained as she pointed to the place I had set for the queen. Victoria stared at her for a moment, then sat at the table. Penelope nodded to me that I should sit as well, and she took her place with me. Do you think I find it amusing, this game you play? There are more important things for my men to do than to look for you. You haven't been looking for me for twenty-seven years. After I ran away, you didn't want to admit I was missing because you feared I'd been kidnapped and you didn't want to pay the ransom. When no ransom demands ever came, you didn't want to send anyone out to look for me because you were afraid word would get out to embarrass the monarchy. You never lifted a finger or sent a single man out to find me. How would you know? asked Victoria. Because the men you would have sent to find me are my friends, and would have told me so. If you ever wanted to truly know where I was, you only had to ask, and they would have told you, but you never did until two weeks ago. That's how I knew you were coming. Didn't you find it odd that I would have tea set for you? So, why can't we be civil? I hold nothing against you. What could you possibly have against me? Why did you run away? You are my daughter. Do you know how many girls envy your position? And you threw it away. You arranged for me to marry the Tsar's son. I didn't want to be married, nor did I want to live in Russia. So I left. You're afraid of marriage. What girl fears marriage? You should have been honored. I was eight. When I arranged the marriage, but not when it would have taken place. It doesn't matter. I'm sure my sisters have stepped into the role you intended for me. You have a duty to England. And I've done my duty. I've served England. I believe I have served the country better than I could have by marrying some pampered prince. Served England? You disappeared off the face of the earth, and you expect me to think you have been in service to England? Go to those people who keep your secrets. Go call on Blackbird and Sparrow. Demand they tell you who the hummingbird is. The hummingbird? Are you trying to insinuate that you are the hummingbird? I've kept you informed of every soldier who set foot on the battlegrounds during the Civil War in America. You know this because the only time you ever got a hint of where I was was when that ridiculous general sent word to you that I was in his employ. I am the hummingbird, and I have fought and continue to fight a war against a man who would wage war against the world. I am trying to stop a monster from putting his boot on the neck of every nation, and maybe I shouldn't. Maybe I've been fighting the wrong person, because while I've been fighting to stop one monster, I've ignored my mother. Nonsense. I am no monster. Everything I do is for the good of England. Yes, but what about the good of China, India, Africa? Why do you continue to send men to rob and steal? These lands don't belong to you. Simply because you want them is no pardon to kill and displace the people who own them now. You are not a queen. You're a thief. You're a leader of a gang of thugs and highwaymen. Victoria stood from her chair. She pounded her fist on the table, and the plates and silverware jumped and fell back into place. I will not be spoken to in this way. This is treason. Treason. How could I commit treason? I don't even exist. You wrote me out of the history books. There's no record of me, and there's no record of me among the royal recorders. Afraid of the embarrassment, you erased me from history, and you know what? 
I'm thankful. It may be the greatest gift you ever gave me. I don't want to be remembered by history. The things I have done, I have done in secret. I have changed the world, and no one will ever know what I did. No one will ever know my story, and that's how I like it. You want to be nobody. Married to a nobody. What kind of name is Rightway, anyways? What kind of family name is that? It belongs to me, and to my husband. It's our name, and it belongs to us alone. There is no Rightways before him, and any Rightway that will come after will be our descendants. I am who I want to be. If you were to force me to be something else, to be someone else, I'd be your slave. Not that you would care. You have so many. What's one more? Penelope took a deep breath before she continued. <sighs> Mother, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I couldn't be your daughter. But it was never in me. What was in me was adventure. I have been all over the world. I have been to New York. I have been on riverboats sailing down the Mississippi. I have ridden with gunslingers and outlaws. I've met Native Americans. I've worked for the cavalry. I've sailed the Atlantic. I've seen the Great Pyramids. I've seen the Great Wall. I have fought for my life. And sometimes I have barely survived. The world was set at my feet and I was given a choice. I could be your daughter, Princess of England, and maybe someday Queen of Russia. But that would have been a life in a cage. Or I could be free. I could be my own person and walk my own path. I could have the world. I will not ask you what your choice would have been if you had been given this opportunity. I know what it would have been because I know what you did choose, and I'm not you. I don't need to be you. England needs only one queen, and it was never going to be me because I don't want to be queen. I wanted to be a fortune teller, a detective, a spy, a wife, and a mother. Not all of my dreams have come true, but I would not trade a single night in a tent for a life in a palace. I love my life. And if there's anything in you that is my mother, a mother who loves me as a mother should, then you'll be happy for me. Leave me erased, disowned, forgotten. Sometimes what would be a curse to some is the greatest gift others can receive. Victoria huffed and sat up straighter. She looked at me and then asked, And you, child, is that what you want? Would you make the same choice? No, ma'am, I replied. Then tell me, what is it you want? Paris. The city? I doubt you want it. You'll find the French to be an unruly and impossible people. No, ma'am, not the city, the person. Someday I want to find Paris. Who is this, then? <laughs> she means Paris of Troy. She's looking for her soulmate, Penelope answered for me. Oh, God. Fantasies and frivolity. Is that what you're teaching this child? If I'd have known you would take the name so seriously, I would have never called you Penelope. I would have named you Elizabeth, and then maybe you would have wanted to be queen. Instead, you lose yourself in this ridiculous fantasy, and now you're teaching it to this child? With our dreams, 
we make our plans. With our plans, we take our actions, and with our actions, we sculpt our future. All things begin as fantasy. The question is, what do we fantasize about? Why shouldn't she search the world for her soulmate? I did, and I found him. I have no doubt one day she'll find hers. Penelope smiled at me, and I smiled back. Love. Soulmates. Nonsense. Romantic nonsense. Victoria replied. Listen to me, child. Do not marry for love. If you marry for love, you will end up alone and destitute. A widow, working for pennies, if that. You find the wealthiest man you can. A man with a palace and servants. Any man who does not control all he surveys is not worthy of your affections. Wealth, property, security, that is what you marry for. Or you will end up with some penniless poet, or God forbid, reporter. Forget about Paris, unless the man owns it. I should take you back to England with me, before my daughter fills your head with nonsense. Would you like that? Would you like to be the princess she refused to be? I'm sorry, ma'am. I can't. I'm a prisoner here. A prisoner? Is that true? Victoria asked Penelope. That is one way you could look at it, yes. And what is her crime? Would you like to answer that? Penelope asked me. I shook my head no. Would you like me to answer for you? I shook my head no. I didn't want to talk about it. I'm sorry, ma'am. I think it's best we leave that discussion for another time. Why? She didn't kill anybody, did she? I dropped my head and Penelope said nothing. She did, Victoria said in surprise. Well, good on you, girl. I like a girl who can take initiative. I'm sure whatever the bastard did, he deserved it. Victoria finished the last of her tea and then stood from the table. Come home. This is your last and only chance to reclaim your royal status. Victoria explained to Penelope. I appreciate this offer, ma'am, but I'm happy where I am, and I will not go. Very well. Then you will remain a ghost in the history of England. Thank you, ma'am. That is kind of you to say. Helen, you are a well-mannered and regal child. Thank you for the tea. Don't forget wealth, land, and security. You only have one chance to get it right. I'll remember, ma'am, I told her. Goodbye, Penelope. I doubt we will ever see each other again. Goodbye, mother. You know who I am now, and if you ever need me, you know how to contact me. Victoria turned and began to walk out of the library. Under her breath, I heard her laugh and say, <laughs> Hummingbird. When she was gone, Penelope collapsed back into her chair, grabbed a cookie directly from the top plate and began to eat it. Your name really is Penelope? And your name really is Helen. Sometimes, the echoes of who we were influence our parents before we're born. I changed my name to Lucy because it was a very common name in America, and I was always afraid one day that she would find me and drag me back. She did find you. That she did. But I'm useless to her now. My sisters will hold the royal families of Europe together. One of my brothers will eventually become king. For what she needed me to do... I am no longer suitable, and thank God for that, because I would much rather be here with you than any ball or feast in Buckingham Palace. But I'm your prisoner. You're my student, my protege, and I hope someday my friend. You were a gift from the goddess, and I am here to protect you and prepare you for the path that lies ahead. Why? Because life is a game, and life has decided that 
this time around. She wants you to win. Will I? Only time will tell. You have done very well today. And I have a gift for you. Close your eyes. I closed my eyes and held them tight, placing my hands over them. I heard Penelope moved and then return. Okay, you can open them now. She held out a small book. It was bound in hard paper and looked more like a folded newspaper than a proper book. I took it from her and read the cover. Outlaws of the West, it said. What's this? It's a dime novel. Fantasy. It's what we like to call a western. It's about gunslingers and outlaws and damsels in distress. You said you knew an outlaw once. Who was he? I did. His name was Luke. He was the fastest and deadliest gunslinger in the West. He was an outlaw they called the Reaper. And you rode with him? That I did. What happened to him? I don't know. I had to leave the West. I had to leave him behind. Penelope, you look sad. (sighs) I'm sorry. I don't mean to be. Can you keep a secret? I nodded yes. I love Odysseus. He is my soulmate, and part of me I have recovered. But he is not the only man I have loved in my life. Penelope sat quietly for a moment, then stood from her chair. All right, let's clean this all up. The day is still young, and there is more to learn. We went to work together, picking up plates and trays and returning them to the kitchen. We washed them and dried them and put them all away carefully. Afterwards, we returned to the library, and I took the dime novel and began to read. Do you ever think I'll meet a gunslinger? I asked Penelope. Probably not. I doubt there's any reason you'll need to go that far west. That's too bad. I think I would enjoy the west, I said, continuing to read. This has been Helen of the Iron Horse, written by Paris Lee. Artwork by Helen Lee. Performed by Helen and Paris. All characters within are fictional and bear no intentional resemblance to anyone living or dead. Except, I guess, for Helen and Paris. See more of our work at edgeoftheworldart.com. If you would like to comment on the show or ask any question, please email us at helenoftheironhorse at gmail.com. The proceeding was made with the love and encouragement of all of our friends at the LA LGBT Center's Trans Lounge. Thank you.